I'm on right now. I don't believe you. That's not six. One plus two plus two plus one. You really are crazy. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Me? No, come on. Don't be crazy. Welcome to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. We are a movie podcast where we delve into the world of cinema and explore what makes certain films good or bad. I'm your host, Zachary Rancourt, and every week I bring together other film enthusiasts to analyze, discuss, and dissect some of the most popular and critically acclaimed movies of all time. Whether you're a film buff or just a casual moviegoer, our show is sure to provide you with a fresh perspective and thought-provoking insight into the world of cinema. So grab your popcorn, grab those Kit Kats, because I like to eat Kit Kats, uh, sit back and join us as we explore the art of filmmaking and discover what truly makes a movie great. All that I ask is don't be crazy. So joining the show today is a reoccurring co-host, my friend, the wonderful Amanda Jane Stern. Amanda, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Not bad. Um, I am thankful it's not as hot uh, as it is on the East Coast. We are just dealing with maybe low 70s, high 60s weather. So oh. I finally pulled out the pants and I've been wearing pants nowadays. It's been cool. I've been lying in front of my air conditioner feeling like I'm going to faint. It's so bad. Yeah, it is. It is. It is rough. I've been to New York in August and I was like, what am I doing here? It smells like hot garbage everywhere. Mm-hmm. Hot garbage <laughs> summer. That's what we call it every summer. Oh, that's gross. But you know who's not gross is my other special guest. Uh, he is the uh, tri co-host of the Top 5 podcast. His name is Tom Lockhart. Tom, how are you today? I'm doing great. And I just came back from the East Coast a couple weeks ago. And it was the worst. Heat-wise. <laughs> Heat-wise, it was the worst. Where were you? Uh, uh, we landed in Baltimore, Uh, where at 6 a.m. it was 83 degrees Mm -hmm. already, and I was like, this is bullshit. Yep. It is bullshit. You're right. I I have stated many times I do not like when it gets above 70 degrees, let alone with humidity, so it was terrible for me. (laughs) Yeah, it's the humidity. That's the killer. I was in Vegas uh, a few months ago, and it's very hot in Vegas, obviously, and I was there in, in June, but because there's no humidity... Mm-hmm. I was fine. Yeah, it's fine. Exactly, it's fine. That dry, that dry heat's where it's at. I can, I can, I can manage that. Mm-hmm. You know. I also went to a spa, and that was that was wonderful. So, highly recommend. <laughs> well, I mean, Tom and I, we do a fantasy football league, and we were discussing just randomly trying to do the fantasy draft one year in Vegas. So maybe we'll have to do it in a spa. That would be fun. Well, I went to the spa in the hotel I stayed at. We stayed in the the Virgin, the, not on the Strip. We stayed off the Strip because we didn't want it to be too loud at night. And there's mm-hmm. a lovely spa in the Virgin Hotel. And you know what? I I left feeling like the kind of zen you only feel when you're high. Oh, wow. And it lasted so much longer than high lasts. Uh, I was I was really cool. really hoping you were gonna say I was feeling like a virgin and then we bust into the song. I don't know if That's I, what I ever want to feel like that again. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think we're gonna discuss our movie film that uh, a lot of people probably lost their virginity to. I'll just, that's a nice nice segue transition in '91, and that is Point Break from 1991, directed by Catherine Bigelow. She has done some amazing films like Near Dark, Zero Dark Thirty, Strange Days, and The Hurt Locker. Uh, She is incredible, was formerly married to James Cameron, who was a co-producer on this film. 
The movie was written by Rick King and W. Peter Ilf. I think I said that right. The movie stars Keanu Reeves, uh, Patrick Swayze, which I remind you, we are going Swayze, or we are going crazy for Swayze in the month of September. Swayze so this September. is just uh, pa- Patrick Swayze movie number one for Swayze <laughs> September. Uh, Gary Busey, Laura Petty, who was fantastic, and John C. McGinley. Critical reception. This movie is it fares really well on IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. On IMDb, it's a 7.2 out of 10. And Rotten Tomatoes, it's a 70% uh, critic with a 79% audience score. So pretty, pretty nice. Um, It is streaming on the Roku channel, Tubi, Plex, and Amazon Prime. But I think that's through Freevee, which is some random streaming site. Um, I own it, so that's how I watched it. I absolutely love this movie. That's why I bought it. So uh, how did you guys watch it? Uh, I watched it on Tubi with commercials and it made me angry. <laughs> yeah, I, don't like I also watched it on Tubi. Uh, ads are ads are the devil. I, but... I'm not opposed to ads. I think they should put them at the beginning. Give me like five, ten minutes of ads at the beginning. Don't break up anything. And that's fine. Right. I'm A-OK with that. Just put them in the beginning. Put them at the end. Or, you know, if it's a really long movie, put ten minutes in the middle and give me a break so I can go to the bathroom. You know, like an yeah. intermission. That's OK. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah it's you know it, it is frustrating uh, having the ads, uh, but luckily this movie goes back and forth between like Netflix and and Hulu and HBO Max, or I mean just just buy it. It's incredible. Um, so yeah, so that is uh, that's the critical reception. Uh, the budget for the film is twenty was twenty four million estimated in the U.S. and Canada. It grossed about forty three point two million dollars. Opening weekend was July 14th, 1991. I think I was three or four. I just turned four. Um, And it made $8.5 million. And then worldwide, it grossed $83.5 million. So pretty successful for the 90s. Fun facts about this movie. Uh, Patrick Swayze was an accomplished skydiver and took part in the big skydiving scene. He made 55 jumps in total. And it's very apparent during that scene when he does his leg tuck thing and, you know, they, they film them jumping out of the plane. It It's him. It doesn't look like a stunt double like the surfing ones. It's it's Swayze. Now you can see the sexy bod and all. So, yeah. Isn't it the injury that he got on this stopped him from doing another movie and instead he did ghost because it wouldn't require him to, to do more stunts. That very well could be um, what's happened, but I am not sure I, about that. I know actually. that there is a movie that he did that there was an injury. And then because of that injury, the thing he had lined up, he couldn't do. So instead he did something that went on to become obviously a hmm. massive. And I think it might've been this to ghost. I could be wrong. Yeah, he broke his ribs while he was surfing, so that could be it. So that's that's pretty awesome if that's what he did, because Ghost is a good movie. It makes me look at uh, pottery class in a whole different light. <laughs> very, very sexy in high school. Um, the second unit director and stunt coordinator, Glenn R. Wilder, held, fighting, held fight training sessions for the cast on weekends because director Catherine Bigelow wanted the actors to do their own fights on screen without stuntmen. Anthony Kiedis of the Red Hot Chili Peppers was allegedly the only cast member to miss the training. So Wilder had his character knocked out with one punch during the first fight sequence in the movie. <laughs> that would be a waste of time. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's pretty funny. It, you know, it's it's, it's uh, both 
metaphorical and, and literal slap in the face for Anthony Kiedis, who decided not to show up to training. It's like, if you don't train, man, then you're going to get knocked out in one punch. So very interesting. I am not surprised at all. I know, right? I mean, he gave it away. Oh, he's still there. He still has the screen time. He does. Uh, he shoots himself in his damn foot. Yep. <laughs> so co-producer Rick King first came up with the idea for the movie uh, while lounging on the beach. He had been given an L.A. weekly article about Los Angeles being the robbery capital of America and dreamed up a movie about an FBI agent infiltrating a surf gang that robs banks to fuel their fun. And that's true. Um, you know, I, I did uh, Heat on an episode a long while back. Heat is one of my favorite movies of all time. And it's it's probably the best heist film of all time, in my opinion. And it takes place in Los mm-hmm. Angeles. For fans of, of this show who've listened to me previous in previous years, I discuss how L.A. is my favorite setting for a film as it is its own character because of just everything that that L.A. has to offer. And I don't see a movie like Heat being filmed anywhere else other than L.A. And and same thing with this. This point break fits perfectly for Los Angeles. Like surfing aside, it just works for this setting. So, yeah, I absolutely love that. And then finally, to get close ups of the actors during the skydiving sequences, a crane rig with a telescoping arm was built for each actor. The rigs enabled the cast to say their lines while the camera shot them from below and to the side to achieve the sense of floating while skydiving. In order to provide a more fluid feel, the camera was on a similar rig. And, you know, for what it was, it did look pretty good, like they were actually kind of skydiving. So I applaud them on that. I couldn't tell the difference. I thought they were skydiving. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, w- you wouldn't be able to hear what they're saying when they're in the air like that. But yeah, it was they did a great job of it. Oh my it God. was yeah, I have I have a note where I really noticed the ADR. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was it was it was very apparent throughout the, the movie. I was like, well, like when they're surfing, yep. I'm like, yeah, you wouldn't be able to hear that conversation. Like when that. they go out <laughs> surfing at night and, and, yeah. and Bodhi is like, you know, and you just like go with the wave and like. That's not lining yeah. up. And I yeah. know we said this last week with Wild Things, when they're on the boat, that's where you really notice the ADR too. It's on the water. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, here's a synopsis for anyone who hasn't seen Point Break. If you don't want it, uh, it's going to be a spoiler-filled synopsis. If you don't want to hear it, go ahead and fast forward maybe five minutes. Former Ohio State quarterback and rookie FBI agent Johnny Utah assists experienced agent Angelo Pappas in investigating a string of bank robberies by the ex-presidents, a gang of robbers who wear rubber masks of former presidents Ronald Reagan, Jimmy Carter, Richard Nixon, and Lyndon B. Johnson. Rather than robbing the vault, they only demand the cash the tellers have in the drawers and are gone within 90 seconds. Pursuing Papa's theory that the criminals are surfers, Utah goes undercover to infiltrate the surfing community. He fabricates a personal family tragedy to persuade orphan surfer and restaurant waitress Tyler to teach him to surf after she saves him from drowning during his first attempt at surfing. Through her, he meets Bodie, the charismatic leader of a gang of surfers consisting of Roach, Gromit, and Nathaniel. The group are initially weary of Utah, but accept him when Bodie recognizes him as a former college football star who quit the sport due to a knee injury. As he masters surfing, Utah finds himself increasingly drawn to the surfer's adrenaline-charged lifestyle, Bodie's philosophies, and Tyler. Following a clue retrieved by analyzing toxins found in the hair of one of the bank robbers, Utah and Pappas lead an FBI raid on another gang of surfers, resulting in the deaths of two of them. 
The raid inadvertently ruins a DEA undercover operation as those surfers were wanted for separate charges regarding the drug dealing, but they are determined not to be the ex-presidents. Watching Bodhi's group surfing, Utah begins to suspect that they are the ex-presidents, noting how close a group they are and the way one of them moons other surfers in the same manner one of the robbers does when leaving a bank. Utah and Papa take stake out a bank and the ex-presidents appear. While wearing a Reagan mask, Bodhi leads Utah on a foot chase through the neighborhood, which ends when Utah's old knee injury flares up after jumping into a flood control channel. Despite still having a clear shot, the injured Utah is unwilling to kill Bodhi and allow him to escape, repeatedly shooting into the air instead, just as Hot Fuzz predicted. At a campfire that night, it is confirmed that Bodhi and his gang are the ex-presidents. Tyler discovers Utah's FBI badge and angrily terminates their relationship after briefly holding him at gunpoint. Shortly afterwards, Bodhi coerces Utah into skydiving with a group. After the jump, Bodhi reveals that he knows Utah is an FBI agent and has arranged for his friend Rosie, a non-surfing thug, to hold Tyler hostage. Utah is blackmailed into participating in the ex-president's last bank robbery of the summer. As a result, Gromit is killed along with an off-duty cop and a bank guard who attempt to foil the robbery. Outright outraged by Gromit's death, Bodhi knocks out Utah and leaves the scene. To find their superior, who arrests Utah for armed robbery, Papas and Utah head to the airport where Bodhi, Roach, and Nathaniel are about to leave for Mexico. During a shootout, Papas and Nathaniel are killed and Roach is seriously wounded. With Roach aboard, Bodhi forces Utah onto a plane at gunpoint. Once airborne and over their intended drop zone, Bodhi and Roach put out on their parachutes and jump from the plane, leaving Utah to take the blame. With no other parachutes available, Utah jumps from the plane with Bodhi's gun and intercepts him. After landing safely, Utah's knee gives out again, allowing Bodhi to escape Utah's grasp. Bodhi meets with Rosie and releases Tyler. Roach dies of his wounds, and Bodhi and Rosie leave with the money, with Tyler and Johnny watching on. Nine months later, Utah tracks Bodhi to Bells Beach in Victoria, Australia, where a record storm is producing lethal waves. This is an event Bodhi had talked about experiencing, calling it the 50-year storm. Utah attempts to bring Bodhi into custody, but Bodhi refuses. During a brawl in the surf, Utah manages to handcuff himself to Bodhi, who begs Utah to release him so he can ride the once-in-a-lifetime wave. Knowing Bodhi will not come back alive, Utah releases him, bids him farewell, and sees him step towards the wave. While the authorities watch Bodhi surf to his death, Utah walks away, throwing the FBI badge into the ocean. That was point break. Wow. A lot. Good synopsis. Good movie. Here we go. So point <laughs> break, you guys. It is an action-packed, shoot 'em up adrenaline-filled heist-filled heist film. Every box is ticked, in my opinion. There's shootouts, there's violence, there's money, and there's a whole lot of surfing and a whole lot of sex wax. Um, so on the surface, Point Break is definitely, definitely, definitely a heist movie. And we had this conversation a little bit before, but let's do this while we're recording. So do you guys like heist movies? Why or, or why not? I hate them. They're the worst. <laughs> no, they're great. <laughs> um, well, there's just built in tension. Like there, there's a heist. It's always a high stakes situation. And it's just always ramped up, especially when they're robbing multiple banks. And so... Uh, who doesn't love a heist movie really that it would be crazy not to i guess people who don't want to have like anxiety <laughs> see i don't feel like i mean there are definitely things that i don't watch because of anxiety and it's not a heist i love a heist movie i've been on the heist movie kick recently actually i was saying to you before we started recording that i i just did heat which lots of similarities 
Um, but also Hot Fuzz, which clearly a lot of callbacks to this one. And even Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid is totally a heist movie. Um, mm-hmm. I'm super into it. I think things that are like cringe comedy where the stakes are high in a in a realistic sense, that's what's too much anxiety for me. Like if it's cringe comedy set in a world that's completely devo- like absent from our real world, then I can totally handle it. But if it's something where the stakes are super real and it could happen to just any person, that that cringe comedy, I just I shut off. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> so cringe comedy, or do you, I mean, what would you consider like the Oceans movies? The Oceans 11, 12, 13, Those are and then Oceans movies. 8. Do you think that the comedy is annoying in it, though? Or do you think it's it's actually pretty good? No, that's not cringe. I don't think those are set in the real world. Yeah, I agree. It's pretty ridiculous. Like you are in any heist film, you're going to have to suspend disbelief a little bit because, you know, there are things that you're like, there's no way this could happen. It's not going to be as realistic as, as what the movie might portray. It's more like the, um, in the second season of Mrs. Maisel on Amazon prime, when she can't stop doing stand up at places, she should not be doing stand up, like at her friend's wedding and starts just telling horrible jokes. That's where I, I could not. I was like, girl, shut up. Please shut the fuck up. I am an awkward New York Jew, and even I can shut my stupid mouth. That's what I can't do. It's that level of like, girl. But if it's, if it's something that's in such a heightened reality, and that's not such a heightened reality. I don't think people talking fast is a heightened reality. I live in New York. We talk fast. That's only slightly heightened. Like the Oceans movies, that's not, that is very heightened. That is not set in our universe. No worries. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting. I'm wondering, I'm trying to like find some examples of cringy or bad <laughs> heist films. You know, I think, what, do you, what are you guys' thoughts on Inception? Do you, do you think that's a heist film? Yes, 100%. Mm-hmm, definitely. So it, it's it's a heist to put something yeah. somewhere, though. It's like a, a reverse heist. Yeah, <laughs> I think you. Yeah, it, it is. I agree. It's a heist film. I think one could argue that it's not, though, because there's no real clear resolution at the end because you're like, was was this a dream? Was it not? Is he in limbo? I don't think that necessarily takes away from it. I love Inception, but I I, I mean, I could see the discussion about why it's maybe not, you know, a heist movie. But I, I don't I don't think that that's that's accurate but they i mean they're great and just like tom was saying that you know they build that that tension i mean I, I i love having a surprise and so when you watch a movie like inside man or dog day afternoon or whatever i mean dog day afternoon doesn't really have surprises per se but like it's still a f- pretty pretty solid movie it through does. and through yeah for the most part it, um, it's more it's character driven in a way that a lot of others aren't it's not so mm-hmm. much the the action and set pieces as it is the, the character reveals. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and like I was saying earlier too, heat, I mean, heat, heat is one of those ones that you have, you know, both De Niro and Pacino, you know, throwing gas during that, that dine or that dinner scene. It's just, it's phenomenal. Where do you both stand on? Were they actually in the same room shooting that or not? Cause they are I think never that, in think, frame together. I think they were. It's, <laughs> It, but but I I again I easily could see if someone presented an argument I'd be like okay yeah 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 I could see that if they filmed their scenes separate maybe to get into into that like kind of actor's mindset but they are just 
phenomenal in that scene. It's one of the greatest of all time, actually, but it's so damn good. <laughs> so uh, I think they were together, though. I, I haven't seen Heat in 10 years, so <laughs> I can't say off the top of my head. <laughs> but I do I do need to rewatch it because I it's haven't seen it in forever. On, I want to say I Netflix. It's... I watched it last week. It's on, I think, Netflix. I know it's yeah. on something all the time. I, I think the <laughs> I always scroll past it. The line that it, really got me though is when De Niro is talking to um, the his love interest, um, mm-hmm. who, by the way, I did the age gap thing. She was twenty one years younger than him, but that's still a smaller Ooh. age gap than he and his current <laughs> girlfriend, <laughs> um, with whom he just had a baby. But. <laughs> when she asks him where he's from and he says Bay Area in that distinct New York Italian act yeah. my fiance and I just sat there and we just laughed like Bay Area what Bay Gowanus Bay I mean isn't that the point though he's like you know he's he's obviously lying and he's he's not good at that but yeah I don't think that's it's... supposed to be the lie though <laughs> I think he... Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I know... I, I, I can't do a Robert De Niro, no. but I know exactly how, how he talks, and I know... I, I like can hear him say that in my head, and I'm like, ooh. Yeah, he sounds like a, a not... New York Italian man. Yeah, that is hey, nuts. Hey, uh... I'm Robert De Niro. See, I did a perfect one. <laughs> you Robert De Niro. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do it. These I'm are terrible. wonderful. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> my, my, mine was way closer. Oh, yeah. Oh, you terrible. win. You win, Tom. You got it. <laughs> yeah and and point break just like it you know they they focus on the heist but that's almost a macguffin to to the whole plot of the film or to, to the entirety of the film because that's the, it, that's not what it's about the movie's not about the heist it, it takes a back seat um, and the movie is actually about you know johnny and bodie um and johnny's infatuation with bodie and the desire to to be him, to be with him, to all those things. And that's actually something that I, I wanted to discuss with you guys. And it didn't hit me until this last viewing that there is a strong male gaze in this film. And it's something that opened up this this Pandora's box with me that I went on a rabbit hole and was, was thinking about 90s and 80s action movies, what we think of typical action movies, how muscle-bound, how sweaty, how homoerotic they mm-hmm. were. And so it's just something that I think that modern audiences missed from the, the from this movie for the past few decades. And and I think that Point Break is an in-depth examination of the yearning between young men. <laughs> just like the majority of classic male-centric action films, um, you got like Top Gun, Predator. I mean, there's a damn scene in Predator where they're greased up arms and muscles. <laughs> All the Rocky movies. Um, you know, this movie... Point Break at its core, it's about that heteroeroticism. And Catherine Bigelow, just genius, she took a genre that was coded in masculinity and she subverted it by exploring very highly complex, if not effeminate, themes. So Bodhi really helps Johnny on his journey of self-identification, and that is is very apparent throughout the movie. So I guess, I know that's a lot, but like, what are your guys' thoughts on this? And is Johnny's sexuality ambiguous? I'm going to let you go first. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, as the occasional co-host resident queer, I have always seen it as a very queer movie. That being said, I also have never gotten straight vibes from Lori Petty. And I 
was watching a league of their own recently and i'm like this girl is so gay like i <laughs> you know my gaydar is oh. going way off right now <laughs> i love a league of their own she's great yes, in that but also, that's, a, that's an awesome movie i just i i don't read her as straight coded ever um it just it doesn't maybe bye um but oh yeah no Johnny and Bodie, that is clearly more than a bromance. And I, I think Hot Fuzz really, really plays with that. Like, they're really making mm-hmm. fun of that it is more than a friendship. This is something that is verging on romance of, I don't want to say two men who totally consider themselves straight, because I think Bodie is a go-with-the-flow kind of guy. And he's pretty fluid. he has probably gone there. Um, and I think for Johnny, this is a what's going on. And so it's it's also the dichotomy of, of sex and violence. And, you know, it, it it's almost like it needs a, a bros level sex scene where they're fighting and it turns to fucking. <laughs> I haven't seen bros yet. I watched it funny. this week. I've been on a real movie kick recently. <laughs> so <laughs> nice. I watched it this week. I actually enjoyed it a lot more than I expected to it is a little too long and there definitely is a lot of stuff that is for the straight audience which like it's fine i love history i i was a history kid um but there are also are a lot of very good jokes for the queer audience and like queer infighting that i appreciated um but oh yeah this movie is is super super queer and oh that that macho-ness when we get to roadhouse yeah oh yeah I, no, I'm excited to talk. I about have that. a lot to say about <laughs> Patrick Swayze and where he kind of stands in, just in terms of his own masculinity and our cultural consciousness and and the roles that he took and why and who he was mm-hmm. as a person that I think is very interesting about him. Just like looking at his filmography, right? Well, and it, so it's it's good that you said that about Laura Petty. Is is you know. The way that she looks, she's not a typical damsel, damsel in distress. And in most of these action films, you know, you have a uh, blonde haired, long blonde haired woman who maybe can hold her own, but is 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 uh, traditionally beautiful, busty kind of plays opposite of what our protagonist is, but like what they need. It's not until we got into the into the aughts and the and the tens that that we started seeing, you know, strong female characters like real uh, examples of strong female characters other than like, you know, Ellen Ripley and whatnot, but her hair is short. Her name is Tyler, which is a traditional male name. Um, and she, she's the one teaching Johnny all this, like kind of leading him on this journey. And I do believe that he loves her, but it, it, it seemed, it seemed like a, a secondary thing compared to his love for Bodhi. Mm-hmm. It seemed like, I love her because society has told me to love a woman, but he is so infatuated with Bodhi. And it's so apparent to me in the scene where where Tyler and, and Johnny go to the party and we get the POV shot from Johnny's perspective. We see everything going on in Bodhi's life, all the other surfers that are there, and the camera, it's it's panning along and it's just one take and then it, it stops on Bodhi with the girl and we are experiencing that. And a, and a great tool that they use is the shot reverse shot. Um, relying on actors' reactions to, to things really helps an audience with the exposition. And so 
or the internal exposition, I should say. And so what we're what we're seeing right there is him, you know, doing a shot with a girl and a lime. And and it's almost like this kind of seductive look that Bodhi's giving Johnny. And and equally so, Johnny has this look on his face that he's curious and he's just like, whoa, like, what is this guy like? I'm so intrigued by this and I, I kind of want, I want to know more. Um, and, and, and that use of shot reverse shot is so wonderful in this movie. And I challenge anybody to watch it again and pay attention to that. Anytime Bodhi's surfing, Johnny stares and he's so intoxicated and he's so just invested into this. And a lot could be just because that elusive life. But I think it's, it's, it's about Bodhi is the person that can help open Johnny up. And and to to a person that he wants to be, and I think Johnny's sexuality is is very ambiguous. I think he grows up from, you know, Corn Town, Nebraska, or wherever, and that's all he's known, right? I think he's a young queer kid. He's just realizing that he's not a straight boy, <laughs> yeah. you know. But but also to the Tyler point, yes, it's this is what society's told me. But she's also who, who introduces him to Bodhi. So being with her is almost like an extension mm-hmm. of being with Bodhi. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, what are you going to say? So I didn't look at it sexually at all. Like I, I did not pick that up at all in my dumb brain. Um, (laughs) But I agree with you that Bodhi is, is like the life that he wants to be closer to. And then Gary Busey is the life more that like his father wanted him to have. Cause he talks exactly. about how his dad wanted him to play football. He, he didn't want to play football. He was probably happy. His knee got folded in half. I mean, not happy. That sounds terrifying. Oh God. Uh, but I, I think it was more of a, he had to find his center, which is between those two. <laughs> they, they are totally opposite people that are totally different things. And I think he was just trying to find his way somewhere in the middle of that. And I could see that as something sexual, but my brain did not pick up on that at all. No, the way <laughs> I was just like, boom, 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 shoot some guns. <laughs> well, I, I think that's a really good point, Tom, because, you know, there is truth in his story when he's, when he's lying to Tyler about his parents dying in a car crash, where the reason he, he says that he wants to learn how to surf is because he realized he wants to live his own life and stop doing what his parents tell him. And I think that part was true for yeah. what he was saying. It's just his parents are alive, but I definitely think that's true. And so I could easily see that from like Papa's side where he's the more traditional grizzled vet who wants to get these things done. And Johnny at the start is, you know, a shirt and tie, clean cut FBI, FBI agent. Mm. And then he becomes <laughs> more of a surfer guy, but then he finds that that middle ground uh, when he essentially has his breakup from Bodhi at the end of the film, when he knows he needs to let him go. Um, and it's, 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 it's fascinating to me. Um, I, I still think, you know, there, there's points in it that are, are supposed to be there. Like the action is there on purpose. Um, and it shows that we can be addicted to this, this chaos and this adrenaline. I mean, he falls in love with Bodhi in, in not even necessarily a sexual sense, but like, I love my friends, right? And and you fall in love with people um, or you have a love with them or for them, I should say, based off of experience that is experiences that you share together. And that's what he does when they jump out of the plane, even though he knows Bodie's that guy. And even though, you know, the, the surfers know that that Johnny's an FBI agent, he still goes. And for that 10 minutes or whatever, they're jumping out of the plane. He's alive. And he is like, 
holy shit, that was intoxicating. And yeah, it's like a drug. But I, I think what that- also speaks to the queer nature of it is the way it's shot. Like the lingering, the glances between them, the stares, the scene at the party where it is seductive. Yep. It's very much, it, it's a relationship that a lot of young queer people, I mean, sure, not like this, not an FBI agent and a, and a bank robbing surfer, but the idea of <laughs> becoming so enamored of and drawn to someone who is horrible for you. And, and that is what awakens your sexuality. And also what really makes you come into your own is when you realize, hey, I actually need to end this relationship. I can't let it go on. But it meant so much in my life and in my developing myself. And, and this is something that a lot of queer people definitely actually do relate to in that like being drawn to another person who and, and developing a sort of toxic codependent friendship that you then mm-hmm. realize you have to break free from, but it will always be a part of you. Yeah. Tom, what were you going to say? Um, I had nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it, it probably just left my brain while I was listening. <laughs> well, in terms of like jumping out of the plane and, and the adrenaline. Oh, and well, well, first of all, jumping out of the plane, I hated all of that because it was just like, what? He didn't question that at all. And at no point is he concerned for his own life jumping out of a plane with these guys. He just seems to go along with it. I hated that whole scene because it's like, you should be at least a little worried, Keanu Reeves. These guys know you're an FBI agent and you're going to jump out of a plane where they're doing this whole parachute, moving around to like, oh, you might be getting the one that doesn't open. It's like, and he doesn't show any concern whatsoever. He's just like, yeah, I'll jump out of this plane. Uh, And it worked. All right. (laughs) But maybe... Maybe that just strengthens the point because maybe that's the he knows Bodhi's a bad guy, but he doesn't he, he kind of doesn't know what to do in the sense of like, should I blow my cover? Because I, I don't think I don't know if he knows that Bodhi knows he's an FBI agent. Right. I, I, I wonder if it's, it's willful ignorance or if it's like actual just stupidity. But it, it maybe it's just he's too intoxicating for, for this to, for him to say no. I hope too. so. <laughs> like that very well could be he's just too drawn to him. He's too drawn to him. And who wouldn't be? Those those locks are, are wonderful. Yeah, Patrick Swayze. He's a beautiful man. <laughs> he is. So yeah. I will argue Back off we, War Child. I will Seriously. argue when we do Roadhouse that um it's it's Sam Elliott. Uh, he could Ooh. he could listen, get listen it. here, me ho. He yeah. could of course get he it. Could. <laughs> Maybe yeah. even a little more than Swayze in that movie. He could get it. <laughs> Yeah, Mr. Miho. <laughs> um, okay, cool. Lovely discussion. Yeah, so I mean, that, that's just kind of what I was thinking about, you know, and I think Bigelow, she's so good at, at uh, genre bending. Um, I mean, she takes traditional action films or, or films that are meant to be masculine in nature, and she she molds them with with her different themes. Uh, the Hurt Locker is a great example. It's a traditional action movie, but puts emotion into it and explores other topics that maybe traditional, you know, that traditional moviegoers wouldn't necessarily want to see. But then when they see it, they're like, oh, wow. Um, And so people who see a Hurt Locker, a poster of it, they're like, this is going to be awesome. It's like Jeremy Renner diffusing bombs. This is going to be so action packed. But then they go and they're like, well, it wasn't as much action, but it was a really good story. So and Bigelow, I think, is, is, is very good at doing that kind of stuff. Okay, so um, Q, 
Keanu Reeves, right? The Matrix, John Wick, Hardball, and Constantine. Uh, he is no doubt an iconic actor. Both on and off the screen, he has his persona. He's super Mr. Nice Guy. He's sad Keanu feeding ducks. He's happy Keanu saying you're beautiful at, at a Comic-Con. However, his, his performances in almost every film are just barely nuanced, and, and he seems to follow this type of paradigm of this Keanu Reeves, oh, I know Kung Fu, I'm John Wick, you know, I'm John Constantine. It's, it's, it's a lot. And so, I mean, is Keanu Reeves a good actor? You know, because for every John Wick, we get a Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> so what do you guys think? Is Keanu Reeves a good actor? I will jump right in here and say no. No, he's not. <laughs> what? Well, but well, he, he's very good at a very certain thing. Acting, no. But one part of acting, yes. He's very good when he is John Wick or he is Neo. People who don't need to have too much of emotions, like, and they can just be kind of badass. Um, I thought he talked too much in this movie. <laughs> For, I know he's the main character, but he just, oh, it hurt a lot watching this movie and watching him try to act with people who can act. I mean, Gary Busey come on, bro. Was awesome really? in this. <laughs> like, <laughs> like Patrick Swayze. Great. It's just like everyone around him was at least good. <laughs> and he just wasn't. And it hurts me to watch Keanu movies where he isn't good because I love Keanu. He's one of my favorites, but he's just not good at acting. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I just don't care. I think that's the. I mean, look, exactly. Yeah, like it, it. I'm not watching something with him because I'm expecting the most in like nuanced performance. I mean, that's why we were making fun of the Bram Stoker's Dracula because it doesn't play to any of his strengths. He took the California surfer bro dude and added a British accent to it, and it was like yeah. a British California <laughs> surfer dude. Um, it was weird. Yeah, no, it doesn't work at all. Um. But yeah, I just don't care. I do actually think his best performance is when he plays asshole Keanu in Always Be My Maybe. Yes. Mm. Great. <laughs> so good. <laughs> but yeah, I like, it's not why I'm watching him. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, you're watching him for, it's like you watch Nick Cage for the Nick Cage-ness of it all. You're not watching it. And that's not to say that there aren't some things where Nick Cage also happens to be a very nuanced performer, but usually you're going in for the Nick Cage. And that's yeah. fine. For insanity. Exactly. <laughs> Which I actually think in, in Heat, Pacino was doing a little bit of Cage. There, there's one line reading he does where he's like, tell me about it, baby. And I was like, what was that? <laughs> Give me all you got. Yeah. Give me all you <laughs> got. What are you doing? It's, it's a lot. I think in kind of in what Tom was was going on, you know, for me, I love Arnold Schwarzenegger passionately. I've um, you know grew up watching his movies, and then in college, it was like his bodybuilding career. Like that was always the the thing at the at the gym in college. You're like, I want to be big like Arnold. But his movies are pretty much the same through and through. He except Last Action Hero and True Lies. Like he's actually really funny in that and Twins. He is a good actor and not in the traditional sense. He's a good actor because he knows exactly what he is and he knows exactly what he's doing. And so that's why I love Last Action Hero, because he's a caricature of himself. He's 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 satirical. He's making fun of, of the action genre and himself in, in general. And so Keanu knows what he has. And in, in John Wick, like John Wick 4, I think it's his least amount of lines he's ever said in probably any of his movies. But 
it's that movie. I don't go to that movie for dialogue. I go to that movie to see amazing mm-hmm. choreography, amazing fight choreography. So that's exactly what needs to happen. And yeah, it's in that sense, I will say Keanu is a good actor. He knows exactly what he's doing. I think that's actually a good point to make about someone like Keanu Reeves or Arnold Schwarzenegger. They're both in on the joke. Whereas if you mm-hmm. look at someone like Steven Seagal, Ugh. He is he's terrible. the joke. <laughs> yeah, he is he's a joke. He's also, you know, known for being a horrible person. So he's a terrible not person. only is he the joke, he's terrible. And you know, Keanu is known for being phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But that's that's the huge difference is that he thinks you know Seagal thinks he's doing something. I, I think Brian Cox put it where he thinks he's acting on a different plane than everyone else. Yeah. And like he probably is on a different plane. Drugs, <laughs> but yeah. it's not a different acting plan. <laughs> yeah, meth's a hell of a drug. Um, <laughs> Stevens Gall is terrible. Oh, he's, yes, he's got nah. awful, and he's supposedly a horrible person. So great. And you know, this is a perfect example. Point Break is a great example of of, of what Keanu Reeves can do. I mean, he's a Canadian guy, but he fits that surfer vibe so well. And it's mm-hmm. funny when he talks about it, he's like, Oh, you want me to be high every day and be surfing? I'm like, Keanu, that's that's you the, sound. You sound exactly yeah. like a surfer <laughs> and, you know, a stereotypical surfer, but uh, he does really well with that. And he's believable as like a quarterback too. I could see him as a corn fed Nebraska boy as well. Like well, early I'll, Keanu in his twenties was good. I'll tell you this: his throwing motion is not good. Like, <laughs> it's bad. Just, yeah. It's it's real bad. Yeah. I noticed it in the replacements, and I noticed it in this, and I was like, "Ooh, Keanu, they should not be filming you throwing a ball. Yeah. You need to get somebody to teach you how to do that." Right? I know I don't throw it perfect either, but no one's filming me doing it. So you're saying when he threw out his knee, he also threw out his arm. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, if, if his knee didn't go out, he, he wouldn't have made it pro because, yeah, his throwing arm was, was bad. Just, oh. yeah, he, he had a weird motion. He needed a coach. It's so. too much time. If you do that, you're going to get sacked a lot. And, you know, I, I think I don't think you can say the same thing about Patrick Swayze being typecast because I think he does so different. I mean, this is a man who was willing to do a a trans role in Tu Wong Fu. Um, like he he dressed up like a, a drag queen, essentially. I would not call and his role a trans role. I uh, John Leguizamo's part, actually, is probably a trans woman, but his is a drag queen. Do you think... I haven't seen Tu Wong Fu in a long Same. time. He wasn't... But no. He wasn't trans. No, no, no. As I recall from it, he and uh, Wesley Snipes, they really had two distinct personalities that they had their performances, drag queens, and they also had their male counterparts that they lived in, in a normal, in just like their day-to-day... And in this town, they just kind of got stuck because they were on their way to a drag convention and are in this like tiny town. Like, oh, fuck, we have to we now have to pass. Whereas John Leguizamo's character is very. They pick pick her up, essentially. right? Yes. And she is very distinctly like it's not the same kind of performance for her, that it's not two distinct personalities. It is all the same. Like, you see Swayze getting ready and having the two different sides of of himself and herself whereas with like Uzama's character it is that is it there is no yeah. outside of this performance it is only that person yeah it's fascinating it's been so long since i've seen it so and i'm thinking now you're right the they do show like the um backstage scene mm-hmm. when when swayze and snipes are getting ready um for for the shows and i think um, he has he... a speech about it too to stockard channing where she acknowledges that she knows 
and and he even talks about like and and because there are even times where he and wesley snipes say things to leguizama's mm. character when leguizama's character falls in love with that other guy and there's also mm-hmm. the the cis girl who's into him and they're like well but you know you're you're one of us you're not really a woman and leguizama's like but yes i am and so that yeah. really shows like there's a difference between they are drag queens leguizama's character is the trans woman yeah, I guess I haven't seen that in so long. But I mean, but for, for Swayze and them to, to to have the bravery to take on this role, and you know, Swayze was a big actor um, to be drag queens in mm-hmm. this movie. It's it's it says a lot about who he is, he and then for his performance. Yeah, and his performance in Ghost was great. He was on a show before he died called Goliath. That was actually really awesome. I think it was called Goliath. He did it. He did a good job with it, um, and then. Uh, yeah, just it, Roadhouse. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we've said. Uh, uh, I mean, I, Donnie I, I, Darko. But yeah, Roadhouse Donnie Darko. Is super homoerotic, and it's also a really, really interesting skewering <laughs> of the Western yeah. film. It, it's Shane, but through a neo-Western lens, looking at at like the fragility of masculinity, and yeah. you know, it's interesting. I think. I think Swayze is so fascinating because he knew who he was. He knew he was the sex symbol, but he was also soft. Like mm-hmm. he looked like that, but he was not this, oh, let's fight everything out. He was he was this, no, let's talk out our feelings. And even in yep. Roadhouse, the whole thing is you don't want to fight. You will fight if you have to, but the goal is not to fight. It is yep. to be nice. Yeah, it is it is to end fights before they start. Do not fight and here. He- he does that here in Point mm-hmm. Break when he stops Warchild. He's like, back off Warchild, seriously. Uh, you know, he doesn't want to fight. And that's the point of it, right? Yeah. That's like the last thing he does. He's here to surf. And he even says those guys are Nazis, basically. He's they're they're anarchists and and they're not there for the surfing. They're just there to, to fuck shit up. And he's all about the surfing. He he loves everything going on with the ocean you're one with it the synchronicity of the earth to him and 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 the waves and everything and and so i think that's what's so intoxicating to to johnny is to be so at peace with something like that and i i think he he knocks it out of the park as bodhi he's amazing i saw a mural uh, i can't remember where i was at and it was a beautiful drawing of bodhisattva and like him just in all his long haired glory. And it was, I was like, holy shit, this is really detailed, really cool. So, yeah. but I also think it's interesting because going back to Tu Wong Fu, why he even, like, as I said, he fought for that part. And usually when you think of, of big actors, and he'd gotten to the point where he was thought of as not just an action star, but actually a respected actor, that when a lot of actors take on queer, trans, gender non-conforming characters it's this is the movie that's going to get me the oscar nomination Chu wong fu is camp it was never going to be an oscar bait movie and i don't think he went into it thinking that i think he thought this is a story i like and it's important and i want to fight for this to get made and i think that says so much about who he was as a person Mm -hmm. instead of it being well i'm gonna do my sad gay cowboy so that i can get the oscar but instead it's the no i'm gonna do the thing about drag queens that Go on yeah. a road trip. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I like that movie. <laughs> uh, w- were you taking a shot at Jake Gyllenhaal or Heath Ledger with that comment? <laughs> or both? Okay. Um, I actually think Heath Ledger could have been the next Swayze. Mm-hmm. I, That's a I good take. He has a very had a very similar mm-hmm. place where he stood. Uh, I wasn't actually taking a specific shot. And either of them, I was taking a specific shot at the the genre of the gay cowboys because you know yeah. we got that. We just got the power of the dog. 
That was a good movie. But too. definitely but, not Heath I mean, Ledger. Visually. He he went into it more seriously, I'd say, than Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay, so we discussed heist films earlier, but I would wager that this is the first, if only, heist film that uses surfing as a catalyst. What is the role of surfing in the film, and how does it connect to the broader themes of the movie? Uh, I think surfing is just a kind of a a metaphor for freedom, uh, which could be anything else that would represent that but my brain can't process anything else that would be as freeing as surfing like in this plot like what can you think of anything else no, that I'm could have been with you i think <laughs> like... <laughs> I, I think bodhi's speech about just like let the waves take you and be one with the water i yeah same exact answer i don't have a different one <laughs> Yeah, I don't think this movie could be made without surfing. I mean, like, they couldn't just throw in some other freeing activity. If we're going to be really pretentious, we could say water is rebirth. So it's Ooh. kind of like Johnny's rebirth and discovering of himself. That is the most pretentious answer I will come up with tonight. <laughs> no, I, it I is think, beautiful. Thank you, thank you. I, I think you're right with that. I mean, I, the, the ocean is so fascinating to me as somebody who lives near an ocean but doesn't go in it very often because our beaches just aren't that great, um, you know, because it's just cold up here. But the ocean is so unpredictable and it's also so incredibly strong, but it's intoxicating, just like Bodhi, just like everything that he is. He's he's a mystery. Um, he's, you, you know, and, and he's an enigma, basically. And he's so extreme. If you want the ultimate, you've got to be willing to pay the ultimate price. And the ocean can be a really scary thing because at the, at the drop of a hat, the waves can shift on you. And we're talking like 15 foot waves. And it's like, am I going to try to surf in that? So I think surfing is one of those things that take la takes laser focus, takes time to, to really get acclimated to it and can be incredibly freeing. Like, like Tom was saying, it's, it's one of those things that it's just you versus yourself. It's not you competing with anybody else. It's you versus yourself with mother nature guiding you along and you have to learn how to talk to her. You have to learn how to listen to the water, feel the water, be at one with the water. And that's what I, I think surfing, it, it plays into it. It's also better than just having them be thugs, right? Or, or specialty guys where I got to assemble a team and you got one guy who's a computer hacker or one girl who's, who's a tough girl. And then, uh, you know, another person that's like the, the wheel man. And you're just like, well, we've done that before. This is cool to see them work as a team. And, and it's not until Johnny sees them moving in the, the patterns that they do that he's like, Oh shit. <laughs> I've been sleeping with the enemy, Julia Roberts. So yeah. Which is not an I, app I, title for that movie. I know it's, it's a, a wrong it's title. A, it's a weird it makes one. It sound like it's but... a spy movie and it is not. <laughs> exactly. So but yeah, sorry, Tom, go ahead. Well, I also like the fact that the, they're not just bank robbers to like rob banks and get rich. They just want to fund their, their lifestyle, which yes. is not elaborate. It's, we want to, surf and just live and that's all we want to do is just surf live rob it's, a bank surf again everything up. yeah it's like the uh the kansas city chiefs fan who would dress up as a werewolf and he was robbing banks apparently for for a while to fund his traveling for the kansas city chiefs games Good for him. and his season tickets good for him um, those are expensive I, 
I am waiting for the Netflix documentary on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like true crime documentaries, but holy shit, that, that writes itself. <laughs> like, <laughs> I so that will be, yeah, yeah, that will be, that will be fascinating. Um, it's, it, it, it is weird, but yeah, you're right. So, and I think that with them stealing just for, uh, the summertime for them to fund their activities. I mean, that is basically, you know, them saying, fuck you establishment. Mm -hmm. We are, we don't like capitalism, but we're also not going to um, be as greedy as, as the others. Cause then we're just feeding into exactly what we hate. Yeah. They're not going into the vaults. They're just taking the petty cash. Yeah. Yeah. And he says, you know, he's like, he's like, you guys are insured. It's not your money. It's the bank's money. Uh, so on and so forth. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it, you guys are right on with that. That's exactly what I was thinking. So. Okay, cool. Um, so I want to go back to Catherine Bigelow. I just, I think she's an outstanding filmmaker. Her work in the Hurt Locker and Zero Dark 30 are just maximum effort examples to me of, of how to portray tension through time and through set design. I know specifically in Zero Dark Dark Thirty, the the final like twenty minutes or whatever it is when they get Osama bin Laden, it's a lot, and I was like sweating watching it um, when I first saw it. But she does such a great job with time dilation and set design. She's truly incredible in my opinion. And and so like I know my answer, but how do you guys think Catherine Bigelow uses cinematography and visual elements to enhance her storytelling? Tom. <laughs> Tom, go ahead. <laughs> okay, fine. Well, I, I just thought that she did a real good job of separating the two worlds of surfing and FBI. Uh, surfing, every scene in there felt like calming and just spiritual even. And then the FBI, everything was just like on edge, aggressive, and just even like clinical. Like it was, all, yeah. you could tell like the difference between the two separate worlds that Keanu was bouncing back and forth between. Yeah, and it's the lighting and the, the way shots linger when he is with Bodie and his gang <laughs> versus how they jump when he's in the FBI and they're aggressive mm -hmm. and they're like, boom, boom, boom. And then he's on the water and it's it's flowing. Yeah. And and you feel that camaraderie between Bodie and his crew. They, they, they feel like they're having fun and it's not it's not really acting. They just feel like they're they're just hanging out playing beach football at the same beach that the karate kid fight happened at fun fact. Um, and they are just, just being idiots, but they're, but they also are there because they love to surf. I mean, who wouldn't be that drawn to Patrick Swayze? <laughs> Crazy for Swayze. That's why we're doing it. Uh. Um, but yeah, like, like, so I'm a sucker for practical effects. It's, it's why the thing is like one of my favorite horror movies of all time because of Rob, uh, Botten who did the practical effects for that. And it is just out of control. Good. And for this practical fights, pra you know, everybody had to train with stunt doubles, real surfing with real surfers, real skydiving with real skydivers. Uh, it, it is done so well. And to see that kind of happen and for her to take that risk instead of saying, let's use CGI is like it speaks volumes to, to add to that tension when he swims out at the end to that 50, you know, um, 50 year storm and bells beach. I'm like, this is suicide. It's, it's literal suicide and it's hard to watch him crash in the wave. And that poor stunt double who had a crash in the wave, <laughs> whew, that is not a job that I would want. It's how you break ribs like Patrick Swayze did, but you know, it's that's, that's how she does it. And I spoke of it earlier too. She's, she's great at her shot reverse shot. 
it, it works so well. And even in the FBI, like Tom is saying, when Johnny's introduced by the, the doctor from Scrubs mm-hmm. to the FBI uh, office That's and he I talks about... <laughs> exactly. It's like, how do you, you know, you're, why did you want to get transferred to here? And he's, he said something about, uh, Oh, I guess they were all out of assholes and he walks away. Yeah. And goes, doesn't look like it to me. Doesn't look like it to me or something like that. You know, it's go ahead, Tom. Uh, I was really impressed with that scene, with the introduction, uh, because it's something I wouldn't have noticed like 10 years ago, but it was the long shot of just them going through. And I was just like, this is all just one take. We're yeah. not cutting to anything. And I like 10 years ago, I wouldn't have even noticed that in the movie. And now it's just like, I'm actually really impressed with all of this that's going on. Cause this is a good, like three minutes of walking through an office yeah. that they're not cutting at all. And that's why I love rewatching movies. And that's why I love this podcast is because when I watch movies with my cinephile lens on um, or just someone who understands film a little bit more, I really am like, oh, my gosh, that affected me so differently this time. And and I think that goes to show that entire one take for that scene is like the FBI is vast. This is a a clerical world and it's a bureaucratic nightmare, whereas surfing is like wide open. And mm-hmm. you can do whatever you want. You can smoke weed on the beach. <laughs> you can <laughs> grab suckers out of people's hair. So uh, <laughs> I think that was very apparent to me. Um, but yeah, her, her, everything that that Catherine Bigelow does in this, I think, does does wonders for what's going on. Even the fight scenes. Um, there's a lot of tension in that uh, scene when they have to do the raid, um, where you know he's he's asking or he's. Gary Busey's pretending to find his dog and Johnny's trying to call it off. But that lawnmower's there. You're like, oh, shit. And they're pulling out a whole arsenal of guns. There's a lot going on in that scene. And it's it's done really well. And I think it, it it's uh, attributed to the actors, but mostly Catherine Bigelow, in my opinion. So, OK, well, that's all I really have to say about Point Break. Um, uh, I, I really, really enjoy it, but I want you guys to give your hottest take. So I want you to defend, uh, just choose one, your most controversial take on this movie, on movies of the genre, on actors, on themes, on the director, on who, whomever, whatever. So how about Amanda? Hmm. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I think it could go further in the, in making the queer subtext, not as subtextual, uh, Hot Fuzz goes a little further in pulling it out, but I think just go there. We know it's yeah. there. Do it. In 91, though, do you think audiences are ready for it? You know, um, I think a, I think Swayze would have gone for it. Um, yes, agreed. And Kevin Bacon. Yes, and Kevin. That's the thing. I, I think audiences would have been more receptive than we might think looking back. I've done a lot of research into queer cinema history and there is a lot that is positive that dates back a lot longer than Mm -hmm. we would expect um really to i mean kind of the 50s but i'd say the real like happy positive is is 71 so i i think it could have been done yeah and i i wish i had a time machine to to see but i mean i could i could see that that is that is to say 91 was pretty bad because what how making love came out in 82 and then obviously the AIDS crisis started. And so things kind of between then and 95, it was not great for the queer men. Yeah, it was, it's rough. It's, um, there was a lot of transition and we were, and I don't just mean uh, in the real world. I mean, in cinema. Yeah. We were discovering about the, um, 
the violence and and the MPA ratings and whatnot mm-hmm. behind films and you know the, the true ratings for them. Whereas a PG thirteen movie is actually a true PG thirteen movie. Okay, why was this so rated R? There's nothing in it that should be. I, I have no know. idea. Wait, this was rated R. This was rated R. R. I yeah. noticed it, and I was like, "There is nothing in this movie." Uh, I mean, a few people die. Like, so? there's there's lots of shooting. It's like I mean, Indiana squibs, Jones is rated PG thirteen. People die in yeah. PG thirteen. There's some boobs in this, but only for like. Oh 10 yes, seconds. there is one naked lady Just during like yeah the raid. Yeah, but you can be PG thirteen and still show boobs. No, she's I think. fully naked. Oh, yeah. yeah. And she stabs that cop in the back. Yeah. <laughs> Multiple it's times. It's rated R because of one naked um, lady. That's crazy. Yes, Whatever. it is. It, it says a lot about our culture <laughs> and how we feel about nudity yeah. versus violence. So it would, you know, it would have been really fascinating. And I, I never saw the remake to this movie, Point Break. I think because it's just it like just, a shot for shot remake. It doesn't, it doesn't yeah, do anything. It, my, one of my friends said it, it, it feels like a, a, hour and a half GoPro advertisement. <laughs> and and I, I, I could see that um, because they're, they're completely missing the point of the first of, of this movie. And um, that's unfortunate. It never needed to get remade. Um, but you're right. I, I, I think it would have been interesting to see this explore a little bit further. Um, maybe to see Johnny cry with when Bodhi yeah. he has to let Bodhi go, show a little more emotion than than that. Yeah. Um, you know, he kind of knows he's beat. Maybe during the fight scene, he doesn't fight him necessarily. He lets yeah. Bodhi fight, and it's one of those, you know, I'm not going to fight you kind of moments. But that might go to having an actor with the same emotional depth as Swayze. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which wasn't going to happen. <laughs> no. If only Jake Gyllenhaal was of age. I like the take, though. Yeah, you're you're right. I think I think they were they were towing that line, and they could have uh, been a little more representative. That's of, what I of said with wild cinema. things. Just you're you're going for it. Just do it. Go for it. <laughs> do it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Thomas, what's your hot okay. take? Okay, I don't want you to freak out with this first sentence. <laughs> This is kind of a bad movie, (laughs) but, but wait, because you're going to hear my letter grade later. Um, but that does not mean it wasn't entertaining, but it was, it was bad in a lot of ways. I watched this with my wife. It was her first time watching it. (laughs) Oh, poor Whitney. Um, I'm sorry. (laughs) And, and and we have been together long enough that I can kind of sense when a movie is not working for her at all. (laughs) She watched it to the end. So that's good. She didn't make me turn it off, but I could tell about halfway through. I just said, I'm sorry that it's bad. And she was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that was her entire reaction. And it was just like, I get it. Like Keanu's not putting his A game out <laughs> there. And there's not there's not enough action like that it, it's going to make you not worry about it. But I agree with her. It was kind of bad. Like there's just some stuff in it that wasn't all that great. And that's my hot take is just, this is actually a bad movie. I don't even know if I'd call it a hot take. I think it's a cult classic, <laughs> but I don't think it's a good movie. Man, you guys are you guys are smoking whatever you, you Steven see, Seagal's smoking. I think it's, that's why I thought it was a hot take is because I know Zach does not agree with it. I think it's it. fun, but I also think it's too long. So there's definitely a lot of, I don't. It has, yeah, it has a third act. It has a yeah. third act lull, it, which is a little unfortunate. Um, it seemed to go back and forth quite a bit. Like, you know, in the second act, you, you discover that he knows who the bank robbers are, but then there's a whole yeah. extra, you know, third hour. act. And you're there's like, a Whoa. whole other hour. Oh yeah. It's long. And so you're like, huh? 
Okay. <laughs> um, so that's a bummer. And and I, I, I can see what you're saying because Amanda and I were talking about how cheesy this movie is. It's it's pretty ridiculous. I mean, one of my favorite Jif, uh, GIF, whatever you want to call it, um, I call it a GIF, uh, is when Keanu Reeves at the start, he gives the thumbs up in the rain. I love that GIF. <laughs> like if you just type, if you type like thumbs up, it's one of the first one that pops up. It's just wet Keanu Reeves and he gives the thumbs up. I'm like, this is awesome. But it's, it's cheesy as hell. It's funny because that's when my first like wave of embarrassment to <laughs> being with my wife oh. and knowing that she's judging me based on like the 100% Utah. Good job. It's just like, oh, come on. That's like the first uh, like 10 minutes of the movie that's, okay. <laughs> that's like the here's, that's like the first two minutes here's the thing he you, starts by on the shooting range you actually oh, think yeah. this is a great movie when we get to roadhouse that's where that was that's my hill i actually think that's a brilliant movie not just cheesy camp and i will yeah. defend it so hard you know so we all have those <laughs> yeah it's it's cheesy a lot of the dialogue's cheesy you know and it, it's not a perfect film but i I, I still really like Point Break. It's just it sits. It has a special place in my heart, and I enjoy the hell out of it. And I'm so happy I, I gathered something new from it this this viewing. But yeah, so okay, it's okay. You're entitled to your opinion. So it's, it's a safe space. We're in a safe space here. Um, so here is my hot take. I think James Cameron borrowed the plot of Point Break for his Avatar story. So Ooh. if you kind of think about it. It's a person, uh, Johnny Utah and Jake Sully, who are military type guys, very clean cut, very, very uh, straight, straight laced. And they get tasked with an infiltration job. They have to go infiltrate somebody, learn from what's going on. They both fall in love with the female character for, for that. And then they end up fighting on the other side or towing that line that fights the other side. Cameron explored a little more and then used Pocahontas uh-huh. and like the and like um, dances with wolves and Ferngully, which, you know, dances with wolves is problematic as, as in <laughs> itself, white savior, but um, took a lot of that and, and finished out his story. But I think he borrowed a lot of what uh, what Catherine Bigelow did for Point Break. Um, and that's setting completely aside that the Fast and the Furious is a remake of Point Break. It is almost exactly the same story. I mean, um, heat is kind yeah. of point break yeah. <laughs> with more violence. Yeah. So so I think that that Avatar is I think James Cameron stole a lot of the ideas from Point Break and put it in Avatar. Ooh. That's yeah. a you came yeah. for him. Oh yeah. I love James Cameron. Don't I get mean, me wrong. I don't think Avatar's a good movie. No, I, call I actually it Blue can't stand Pocahontas. that movie. Nope. Yeah, I, the second one was really good. I, I enjoyed I the second one a lot. I, I read a high school research paper to the first one. <laughs> yep. It was a great well, run time to write an entire <laughs> research paper. Ugh, three hours. It's so long. Uh, you could you can write the paper faster than the movie is going to be over. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Or you can watch Pocahontas for 82 minutes instead. They're both problematic. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the damn white savior mentality, man. We, we 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 love that in cinema, especially when the white savior is Mel Gibson. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> but oh, hey, gosh. he uh, he saved he saved our Independence Day. He saved our country. All right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, let's move move away from the evils of Mel Gibson. <laughs> um, back to Point Break. Letter grade, y'all. Amanda, what do you give Point Break? Letter grade. Mm. Hi, I'm gonna. Plus, I think the the rating, the reviews are actually quite on the nose here. Yeah, 
Okay. That's good. That's like 78%. Yeah, I, so I think it's pretty, pretty good. There, there are a bit too many times. I think from a, a critical standpoint, it's not a great movie. From an audience standpoint, there are too many times where it lulls to be a, a true like, yes, fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah. it has runtime issues. Mm-hmm. I agree with you on that. So, Thomas? Uh, despite my hot take, B plus. <laughs> still <Wow>. love it. <laughs> wow. Okay. I, I know it doesn't make any sense, but it's still super entertaining, but it is bad. <laughs> well, Tom, like I, I know that Hot Pockets are just terrible creations, but I still think they're tasty. So. Yeah, I'll, I'll still pop one in the microwave. <laughs> they're, they're absolutely abominations of what pizza or what food should be, but it's like, God, sometimes a broccoli cheddar Hot Pocket sounds so tasty. I buy the so. Amy's brand. Ooh, I didn't know Amy's had their own hot pockets. They're called pizza bites. Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) They're called warm, warm dough. No, it's the same thing. They're just little hot pockets. (laughs) Oh, okay. Little baby hot pockets. Mm -hmm. So for me, I give this an A minus. I absolutely love this movie. Um, I think that it can be, you can break it down. Um, It's one of my favorite things about film is, is breaking it down to find the meaning of it. And I think... Uh, we, we, we can definitely watch this multiple times and, and really kind of get down to the nitty gritty with it. And it's awesome. Um, it's, it's, it, I grew up watching it. I still love it. It's, it's, I watch it a couple times a year probably. So this was easy for me to, to rewatch and, and, and write up a list of questions for you guys. Cause I was like, Oh, got it. Piece of cake. So that is, uh, that's it. We, that's our first movie for uh, Swayze September. What do we call it? September of Swayze? I was calling Swayze? it Swayze September, but I liked your crazy for Swayze September. I like crazy for Swayze September because I'm always crazy for Swayze. I mean, so. who isn't? <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's great. So um, as always, you know, Amanda, where can we find you on social media? Oh, the usual. I'm on Instagram at Amanda Jane Stern. I'm on the thing that used to be called Twitter, also at Amanda Jane Stern. We'll see if I stay on that or just keep my handle up so no one else can take it and completely stay away <laughs> from it because yikes. Um, I'm also on TikTok at Amanda Jane Stern where I go to haunted places and tell ghost stories because I like ghost stories. Um, that's it. Those are the social medias, I believe. I don't know. If you want to be bougie, you could look up my IMDb. It's the same name. Wow. It's all Flex. the same name. Flex. So, <laughs> That's it. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Thomas, what about you? Uh, on Twitter, I am at TomTop5. Uh, I rarely use it because I suck at promoting our other podcast. <laughs> yeah, our other podcast is called The Top 5 Podcast. Uh, it's just me, Eric, and Tom, and we talk about random top five lists. Wait, we always take suggestions. Yeah, I didn't yeah, even it's know great. this was a thing. Oh, yeah, 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 we we have we have another podcast. We're coming up on our hundredth episode too. Wait, but yeah, we just um, I'm on this we, one like every other week. How did I not know that? Was <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I thought I I thought I talked no. about it, but yeah, we we we, we discuss random stuff. Um, I I have a list of what we're gonna do coming up, and I think you know one might be top five sauces. One's gonna be top five male celebrity crushes, Ooh. sticking with the you know the queer cinema theme. Um, and then we're gonna do like top five beers again, and again. And then uh, some other stuff. So yeah, it's a super good, fun time. It's called the Top Five Podcast. It's a logo of two guys high fiving each other, two hands high fiving each other, I should say. Um, so yeah, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well, both of you, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, obviously, you know, Amanda, I'll see you for this continued Swayze, Roadhouse crazy for Swayze September. Again, so I'm super thrilled. And 
There we go. And Tom has uh, been on the Don't Be Crazy podcast several times, so we will see him again sometime soon. Yes, and you will. There we go. Everyone else, thank you so much for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter and threads at DBCrazyPod and at ZachDale60. And my OnlyFans at Zach. Di- I don't have an OnlyFans. Um, yeah, no, no, none of that. I, I, was, I, I was opening it up. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask what your rates were. Oh, a lot. <laughs> too much. Too hot to handle. I, I thought about uh, selling speed picks on that. I ran it by my mom and she goes, yeah, do it. Why not? <laughs> Ugh, OnlyFans. Weird. <laughs> it's weird to me. I don't know. Um, I'm I'm super pro. If you want to make it, fine. As long as you yeah, can control you can, it, good. You can do it. I just would never pay to look at someone naked when the internet is full of porn. But <laughs> um, I digress. So, anyways, you can find you can find me on the social media sites. Uh, you can share your thoughts, give film suggestions, tell us if we're crazy, or just send funny memes or gifs or gifs or whatever you call it. Make sure you subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Additionally, we're also available on every other major podcast app. Thank you for listening, and until next time, don't be crazy.